All right, everybody, say something. Oh, hello. Oh, hello. Welcome to my podcast. This <laughs> is mine right. now. Brian's I own it. Over. <laughs> this is uh, Brian's podcast, formerly known as Basic Snitches. Yes. Yeah. Cue the new music to Brian's podcast. <laughs> yes, welcome to Basic Snitches. Hi. I'm Adam. I'm Tara. And I'm Brian. I'm just here to drink their wine. Yeah! Someone has to. Makes me look like less of an alcoholic when if I share. When he was like, would you like some wine? And I was like, no, he has no choice. <laughs> I mean, right. the answer was already yes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, the answer was yes. He is one of us. You can't do an episode and not drink wine. We have Brian O. Jackson and the cats on this episode <laughs> as special guests. The yep. cat found the wine bottle top. <laughs> Brian was on top of the island of the kitchen. He's knocking everything off of it. He has the audacity to blame it on the cat. That's what I do. You all probably and should remember Brian from the Puffs episode. He was our Wayne. I was about to say Gary. (laughs) The fuck is Gary? Gary? He's back, 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 back. I'm back, snitches. Get it? Because it's the name of the podcast. Oh! (laughs) Today we are reading a chapter called, because I can't remember the number. Secret. Chapter 21. 21. 21. We did it. We can finally yeah. drink wine legally on this podcast. <laughs> Are you ready to ask us who is winner and loser of the last No, I'm just going to tell you. Okay? Okay. So, in chapter 20, the loser is Peter Pettigrew. Obviously. What? Shocking. No. Like, I did not the, see that coming. Not just because he sucks, but also he like attacks and hurts Ron and Crookshanks. Fucking knocks out a cat, which is rude. And then he hurts a child who's already hurt. <laughs> but more importantly, he knocked out a cat. <laughs> the winner of the chapter is serious. I almost gave the win to Harry because, you know, he's working really hard to save people's lives. The fact that Sirius, like, without hesitating, attacks his best friend to save the children is pretty great. Good job, Sirius. Yay. And also, no good jobs to Snape because the movie makes it look like he's really awesome in that part and he's not. Oh, hey guys, Snape didn't lose, but she still has to mention Snape because she's in love with him, but she doesn't really want to admit it. I hate you. I'm not in love with him. I'm a little nicer to him later on, probably, but not in this book. Fuck that yeah, this guy. is pretty bad in this book. So that was my winner. Words are hard. That was my winner and loser for chapter 20. And you guys have to listen to my voice a little bit more because guess what? <laughs> Brian wrote a thing, and I'm going to read it. So without read further thing, ado, I have no idea what to expect. Me Can't neither. I'm very excited. So, okay. Chapter 21. Hermione's secret. Harry wakes up in the hospital wing, yet again, and overhears Snape and Fudge talking about him behind his back like a bunch of high school bitches. Snape tells Fudge that he bound and gagged Sirius, hashtag kinky aff, and brought him back up to the castle along with the trio. Harry tries to tell Madame Pomfrey he needs to speak to Dumbledore, and she does her usual thing of telling him he needs to rest and not caring about urgent information getting to the headmaster of the school. Harry and Hermione both try telling Fudge the truth about Sirius, and Snape just plays it off as them having been confronted. You know, because he's a dick. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Always. Madame Pomfrey. Always. <laughs> If you don't understand that joke, stop listening immediately. <laughs> Madame Pomfrey shoves a giant chunk of chocolate in Harry's mouth to shut him up. I mean, this would totally work on me. Dumbledore comes in and tells everyone to get the fuck out. Then he starts speaking in riddles to Harry and Hermione. Hermione totally gets what he's saying, but Harry is just confused af, as per usual. Once Dumbledore leaves, Hermione pulls out a time machine a little bit smaller than a DeLorean and they travel back in time. Harry and Hermione realize they're supposed to rescue Buckbeak so that they can rescue Sirius. Then they go watch their previous selves go down to Hagrid's hut and wait for the animal murderers to see Buckbeak before they can save him. Harry mentions that this is the weirdest thing they've ever done, which is questionable. Harry continuously tries to break the time-space continuum by interfering and Hermione has to constantly remind him that that's not okay. Harry has clearly never seen back to the future. Harry and Hermione then wait for the last four chapters to play out before they can do anything else. Harry mentions to Hermione that he thinks it was his dad who saved them. Hermione reminds Harry that his dad is dead, just in case he had forgotten. Harry goes and waits for Daddy to show up, before suddenly realizing that he is Daddy. Harry and Hermione then fly Buckbeak up to where Sirius is being held, and he flies off into the distance with Buckbeak. Sirius is alive and well. For now. That was really good. And funny. Harry is dead. Harry is dead. Harry is dead. <laughs> Ew. 
So at the very beginning, they are in the hospital wing. Mm-hmm. Pomfrey's like, don't bother these motherfuckers. They've been through a lot. There's like the inner monologue of Harry. And he says that he wanted to be on this comfortable bed forever. And honestly, same. For real. And yeah. he's overhearing, I'm going to bitch about it. Why are adults having conversations with the door fucking open? That is a big theme of this book. It's <laughs> oh a big theme of this book. Oh my series. god. These adults, also Snape is just being terrible. He's just like, a save the day. Snape being terrible, but... I hate it. I haven't heard about this at all <laughs> no. in the last few chapters. But seriously, he is kind of taking credit for everything. Also, uh, Fudge calls Hermione that girl. <laughs> or the girl. I hate it. Because he's like, he's he like would, black, he hairy, would. the girl. It's like, she has a name! Fuck you! First of all, how misogynistic. And second of all, Snape calls Hermione insufferable little brat mm. or something. Yes. Yeah. But that girl, really? Or the girl. The girl? Yeah. That's. He doesn't know any of the students' names, I'm sure, except for Harry, because he's Harry. Because it's Harry. Everybody knows who Harry is. Everybody on the staff won't stop talking about him. Right, and deciding what's best for him. And, like, standing up in the, like, end of your feast and doing applause. Oh, wait, never mind. (laughs) That was for Hagrid. So what Snape says to her is just, Miss Granger, hold your tongue. When they were in the Whomping Willow. Oh, previous chapter. I gotcha. Same sort of thing. I gotcha. No, that's a good point, though, because it's an extension of him constantly trying to knock Hermione down a couple pegs when Hermione is about to, like... And he yells at her in front of everyone. Snape is jealous of Hermione because he knows that she's smarter than him. She's the fucking greatest. We should all be jealous of Hermione. I mean, I am. I think it's so unprofessional that he's yelling at her, not just in front of other students, well, Ron is unconscious, but in front of Harry, and then his superior and the woman who runs the fucking hospital wing, like, this is her space. And the Ministry of Magic. And then the goddamn Minister of Magic. And they're all like, okay, you need to cool it. Right. To which Fudge replies... Now, Snape, the young lady is disturbed in her mind. We must make allowances. The young lady. Her. The girl. She's disturbed in her mind. She's... She's a woman. It's probably that time of the month for her. Right? He probably... Because he would say that. She's, what, 13? Yeah. Yeah. So it probably would have just happened. I was going to say, I don't know lady bits. Does it happen at 13? (laughs) That's about the time where it happens. Cool. Well, regardless, (laughs) Fudge Packer is aptly named... (laughs) But yeah, I think it also bears repeating, though, that Snape is being very unprofessional here. Mm-hmm. Because there are so many moments of it. I have the flashback to the werewolf lesson, him bad-mouthing his colleague in his colleague's classroom. We see it more in the next chapter, etc. So mm-hmm. it's not new stuff for Snape. No. But... Especially knowing the full Snape story. Every time I want to give him a benefit of the doubt, but he doesn't deserve it. He's intelligent enough and capable enough to stop and listen to what's going on. No one is in danger by listening to what Harry and Hermione have to say, to what Dumbledore heard from Sirius. Shut your fucking mouth and listen. I wonder if an element of this is that he is worried that they are right and then going to rob him of the glory, which is another theme. A theme! Our favorite thing. Oh, well, yours is plot holes or plot twists or whatever the hell. (laughs) Another theme that we talked about is glory in terms of Pettigrew. I think in the last episode I talked about the difference between Snape and Pettigrew in, like, their goal here. Mm -hmm. But now Snape is about to get all this recognition, and I feel like perhaps maybe he's a little bit scared of them fucking it up. Which shows, I think, to a degree that, A, perhaps he knows that he doesn't know the right story, but I'm not about to give Snape the benefit of the doubt in this case. I think Mm -hmm. he's just being his... I Classic Snape self. I'm agreeing with you, Tara. <laughs> I don't like Snape right now either. Then Dumble comes in and he's like, get the fuck out. And Pomfrey is <clears> like, excuse me, this is my house. And Dumble's like, excuse me, your house is inside of my house. Get the fuck out. I love the two of them going toe-to-toe about mm-hmm. that. Don't question her, but also don't question Dumbledore. Like, they're just both really badass. But eventually Dumbledore does get his way. It's interesting that Hermione and Harry both are trying to get all the words out to Dumbledore, and he's like, cool it. I know. I believe you. And then this is where he comes up with the idea of the time turn. Yes. When Harry and Hermione are interrupting Dumbledore, you know, they're like throwing all this stuff at him, and he's just like, no, no, please listen. He does make the comment about seriously story wouldn't hold up. I gave evidence to the Minister of Magic that he was the secret keeper, not that Peter Pettigrew was the secret keeper. They're like, well, Lupin could tell you. It's like, Lupin is not in a state he could tell you. And also, he makes a really good point about how Sirius doesn't act like an innocent man. Yeah, right. that's true. I'm glad that you brought that up because it is really cool to kind of see all these different pieces of evidence. 
it kind of like shows how dire the situation is. I love that point of him not acting like an innocent man because he did break into the dormitory and was standing over Ron's bed holding a knife. Sure, it was for the rat, but that's still fucking terrifying. Yeah, him breaking into Gryffindor Tower mm-hmm. and attacking the fat lady, all of that. Yeah. A couple other things here, too. There is one line that said that Hermione looked petrified. I thought it was really rude because they're in the hospital wing. And of course, the and she that she had already been, been petrified, petrified there before. Yeah. I remember having that same thought when I reread it. And I just love Poppy's obsession with the chocolate as well. I love that it specifically says, like, a giant chunk of chocolate. Right. That she, yes. like, shoves in his mouth. Nah, eat this chocolate, bitch. <laughs> Speaking of chocolate, or in particular, Fudge Packer. <laughs> We already talked about him a little bit, but I also just really love how Dumble is finally putting his foot down to Mm -hmm. Snape, and also good on Fudge for calling Snape out on the Hermione stuff. Yeah, we definitely already talked about that, but um, just Dumble in this particular moment and like taking complete control of the situation because I can imagine how chaotic it is. And we focus a little bit on Snape and on Fudge, but Dumbledore in this chapter, mm-hmm. even though he's here for like just a little tiny bit, is so instrumental. He is so great in this chapter. And one thing I was thinking about when I read it is that Harry's complete faith in Dumbledore and how this situation turns into what it becomes and he and Hermione have to go back in time. But Harry is like thinking Dumbledore is here. He's going to make it right because that's what he does. How Dumbledore is like this more powerful figure than everyone who can just fix things and I criticized Dumbledore a lot in the second book and like Harry not being comfortable talking to Dumbledore mm-hmm. and I love how much that's grown. Yeah. On top of all of that he's diplomatic too. Like he recognizes that he can't outrank Bud pouring a little bit out for Quinn Dumble because we actually haven't mentioned him too much in this book. He isn't quite at like the forefront. I mean we've even said that in past books too. Like I even think of like when Natalie was on our book one wrap up and she was like well I don't really know too much about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there are these moments where you can see that he like knows more than he puts on and I just really enjoy that. Mm-hmm. And then, so then we get into this time so travel, time travel stuff. Badass Hermione time. With mm-hmm. 100. Oh, yes. This whole scene, while I was reading it, I had like the TikTok kind of soundtrack in my mind. Because it kind of has that pace to it. Mm-hmm. At least it does to me. Mm-hmm. This chapter really shows a lot of Harry and Hermione's trust and determination. And Hermione like handling Harry when he's like trying to run in and do the things that are rash. He fights with her because it's like instinct. And he's like, but that's the man who's responsible for this. Because he thinks differently than her. But she's like, no, you can't. And he ultimately listens to her. Their dynamic is my favorite thing in the entire series. My favorite relationship in the entire series mm-hmm. is Harry and Hermione. I love their friendship. And this is such a cool section of the story. It's interesting, this is hopping a little bit ahead, but when they are outside the Whomping Willow and they have these moments where she's like, don't you dare go near that fucking tree. Harry's like, why? And then Snape comes by and she's like, I told you, you Mm -hmm. stupid bitch. Things like that. (laughs) Right. And it makes me realize how much patience it takes to use a time turner. Yeah. I'm not a patient person. Like when I'm at the fucking grocery store, mm mm-mm. I gotta get in and out. I don't have time for this bitch to be weighing out her cucumber options in front of me. I need to get past this. So, like, I don't know necessarily if a time turner is, like, the best magical tool for me, you know? Probably not. I would I would not recommend it. You're my favorite magical tool. Okay. Ooh. That's kinky F. <laughs> What's your favorite magical tool, Brian? <laughs> hmm. I mean... Is it also me? Don't say remember all, because we all know those things don't work. <laughs> I feel love- like a wand is too obvious of right. an answer. <laughs> Oh, I mean, a wand is the correct answer, right? Like, it's gotta be. I but it was me, but okay. I am a tool, let's be clear. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, like, what I mean is I feel like I would have the same issue. I can almost imagine me being like, oh, fuck, I forgot to do X, Y, Z, and then being like, oh, it's okay. When I travel back in time, I'll just handle it then. And then you're, like, sitting around being like, I can't fucking do anything right now because I'm done doing this other thing. Or me being like, oops, I accidentally killed half the class. What do you guys think? Do you think that you would be able to handle the time turner? I think I could. I think that I would use it sparingly. I'd probably use it more than for class. I would be very strategic about it. Also, Jack Soccer's child, you need to be strategic with that shit. <laughs> okay, I'm glad you brought that up because I was thinking about Cursed Child a lot in this book and obviously we haven't gotten to Cursed Child. I don't know if we ever will. Up for discussion. Email us! B6NinjaGmail.com if you want us to cover Cursed Child. You got... Four books to get through and probably the Fantastic Beast, but we'll get there. I was thinking a lot about how people are always like, oh, there's so many plot holes almost because of the time turner. Cursed Child, I think at least like 
does a good job of wrapping it up. Pretty well explained in this book. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it's never brought back up is a good thing. And it's really great that this entire chapter is a lot of Hermione being like, that's too dangerous, that's too dangerous. Like, that it was clearly drilled into her head and it's clear that this is a super, super dangerous magical item. Right. Well, she's also been using it for almost a year at this point. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's true. So she's, like, well-versed in it. I'm sure there were probably times, like, especially, like, when she first got it, that she probably came close to fucking up a few times. Yeah. Right. I wonder if there was, like, training and practice. That would be right. fun. Like, time-turner training. Uh, I mean, that's the thing. Like, this is a big responsibility that they put on her. Yeah. Literally just so that she could take a few extra classes. Right. Like, three extra classes? Three extra. Because this is in the next chapter. But she ditches divination, and then she decides not to do muggle studies. So that gives her, like, Right, the so basic. that allows her to just do, so I think, it's arithmetic. Technically, it's just two. two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because so, Ron and Harry are taking divination, and she's taking ancient rune. I want to take arithmancy and divination. So, like, can I swap out, I don't know, history of magic? I don't even know about that. <laughs> it's such a big responsibility to yeah. give this 13-year-old child what could be, like... Dangerous. Mm, so Super dangerous. dangerous. Yeah. Life-altering device just to take a few extra classes. Right. And I know that McGee wrote, like, letters or something to... McGa. McGa. Right, Mika. I'm sorry. It's okay. I, I'm sorry, I, mis- I okay. mispronounced it by pronouncing it correctly. At least you didn't say McGonagall. We don't use that word on this I podcast. say McGonagall I... all the time. <laughs> no, we don't. We only say McGa. So, yeah, McGa says that she wrote all of these letters to the ministry or whatever to get Hermione to be able to, to have this. Hermione's kind of the ultimate teacher's pet to be able to get. Yeah, right. You know, McGuff has a lot of trust in Hermione. And honestly, her Hermione really kicked ass with it. Mm-hmm. She doesn't fuck anything she up. She didn't with it tell at all. her best friends about this. Right. Like, that's the kind of. I'm sorry, if I had that, like. I would keep it a secret, but I don't know that I could keep it from, like, my best friend. I would probably tell at least, well, like, one or two people. I feel like the problem there would have been she could trust Harry, but not to trust Harry to not tell Ron. And Ron, you can't trust. Especially in this book. Right, I considering, think, like, they fought for quite a bit yeah. in this book. Yeah, if she had told Harry, Harry would have told Ron, and they would have been like, no, it's cool. And then when he thinks that Hermione killed Peter Pettigrew, then Ron would have been like, hey, guess what, everybody? Hey, Hermione's been traveling through time, and the whole Gryffindors know, and the the whole Gryffindor class travels back through time and they fuck everything up and the mm-hmm. rest of the series doesn't go on as usual. <laughs> and there it is. That's why Hermione kept it all to herself. That's right. Yep. When Harry and Hermione are hanging out outside Hagrid's hut as their other selves go by and Hagrid is super happy that Buckbeak is gone mm-hmm. for they lure Buckbeak. Although I hold my breath through that whole... It's so suspenseful. It is. Then my heart is just like filled when he's like, yay, yeah, Buckbeak. Then the howl being a howl of joy. Then he goes up to the castle. No, he doesn't. He has a cup of tea and a large brandy. And a large brandy. Like... Dumbledore. And then he goes up into the castle. Yeah. Dumble says, cup of tea or large brandy, but you know that Hagrid had both. Yes. And he mixes them together. Mm. So when they go back and they're hiding out, there's several things. There's the trio of weird men. There's Snape who comes at one point, And then Hagrid also comes back and he's like whistling in tune and he's doing like that little like thing where you jump up and click your heels, all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that has a name. Does it? Yeah, it does. Just it's a bellhop. It's a bellhop? Yes, I believe so. Like a bag carrier? Yeah, that's what a bellhop is. I know. Do it might know? be. You might be right. I hey, mean, Alexa, what's... Just kidding. We don't have an Alexa here. It's been a very long time since I've taken dance. I, I Well, whatever it is, I but, can't do it. But yeah. So here's one thing that I was thinking. Where do you think Dumbledore is? Because we're in the past now. The movie makes him seem a lot more aware of what's happening because he does the whole, like, distracting them and making them look the opposite direction and all of that. In the book, I feel like that doesn't happen as much. He more just, like, when Buckbeak is gone, he's just like, well, that's strange. Oh, well, let's just go back in. How aware do we think Dumbledore is at this? Like, do we think that he knows that Harry and Hermione are currently in the past? I have this feeling that he knows, that there's some sort of consciousness. Somehow his past self is aware of it. This is maybe like him doing too much for someone and I'm probably wrong about this. What if it's just about Buckbeak at this point to Dumbledore? Like, he knows Hermione has the time turner. 
He knows those bitches are down there. There's That's, no way no, Dumbledore, ha, Dumbledore one, absolutely he can see through visibility cloaks. So he probably saw those fuckers going down Fair. to the castle. Mm-hmm. He knows how to do that. He knows that they're going to be there to support Hagrid. That's a and good point. And he knows Hermione has the time turner. Them rescuing Buckbeak, not counting anything happening with Sirius or what bullshit's going to come out of this that's bigger than Buckbeak. He might be thinking, those kids could go back in time. I know this hippogriff is innocent. Dumbledore has kind of been around all of these innocent people. This is a thing he can do for right. Hagrid. I will try to distract because maybe we can have Hermione relive this moment and free Buckbeak. That might be too convoluted. You know, it's interesting because, you know, he went to Azkaban unfairly last time. I can almost see Dumbledore being like, I got you, Hagrid. This is payback. Beyond that, which is, of course, just like an assumption, a lot of what you said gives the evidence behind why Dumbledore knows that there's something going on here. That does make more sense. Dumbledore doesn't know about Sirius at this point. Right. Well, yeah. As we all know, I like my themes. And innocence is one of the coping mechanisms for Sirius and Azkaban. But here now, you know, Buckbeak is innocent. Hagrid kind of gets this unexpected good news that Buckbeak isn't actually going to be murdered. And then, of course, Sirius being innocent, it's interesting that that is something that is kind of coming up. I did make a note about how weird it is for Harry and Hermione to see everything happening from the different perspective. Uh huh. They're seeing themselves because they know they're in the past. I was just trying to imagine what that would be like an omniscient presence from somewhere else and being like, I see myself doing this thing. I would feel very right. self conscious. Same. I mean, it's kind of like seeing a video that someone took of you that you didn't know in this oh, video. Oh, that's yeah. good. So, like, you can kind of experience it. Because, yeah, there have been times where, like, someone will post a video and I'm like, oh, Glon didn't know that you took that video. Thanks for asking permission, bitch. That's a really good point. They touch on the movie because Hermione's like, is that what my hair looks like from the back? So the other thing that I thought was funny, and I did, I mentioned it in my summary, is Harry says, I think he says maybe more than once, that this is the weirdest thing that they've ever done. Yes. Is it? I feel like it's not, but also like in the moment it has to feel so much I feel like the weird things they've done in the past, they're doing in like this different kind of situation. Like it's a, I have to run to save the day. Literally, we have to go back in time to save the day. That's weird. I mean, you fought a guy who had your mortal enemy on the back uh, uh, of your head. And then a hologram version of him uh-huh. as a teenager yep. came out of a book. Yep. You also followed uh, a bunch of spiders into the forest and then fought a giant spider. There's the one moment where he contemplates getting the cloak. That, I feel, like would be at least a relatively easy thing to do if he timed it correctly. Like if he ran and got the cloak... See, this is why I can't have a time turner. Because I'm like, sure. (laughs) There it is. But (laughs) makes so much sense. But if he ran and got the cloak and grabbed it, then this would maybe shift a little bit of, like, Snape's approach later. Maybe, maybe it doesn't have a big difference. The Snape would still come in there with his dick hanging out. Mm-hmm. And then poor Buck Peak, at one point, he's, like, trying to, like, come at Hagrid when Hagrid is clearly drunk and he's, like, you know, hipping and scopping and bell hopping or whatever the fuck up the hill. They're like, no, Buck Peak, and then Buck Peak, like, lowers his head sad. Right, because Buck Peak wants to go hang out with his papa. Yes. Yes. Oh, I want Very sad. And then the only other thing, obviously time is a big part of this chapter. It says two minutes later, Snape comes out. So that whole thing happened in two minutes, maybe a little bit more, because obviously Snape had to like go through the fucking tunnel. But it says two minutes later from whatever happened before Snape comes out. And then later on, they knock out Snape, and then the whole thing that happens after that is over an hour later. So I think that Snape is standing there in the invisibility cloak for a really fucking long time. That must be what it is. Or he's not 100% certain what to do once he goes into the tunnel. Yeah, that makes sense. That's all I can think. But if that's the case, even more poo-poo on you, Snape, because you overheard everything, you know? Snape is unconscious while a lot of things are being discussed, too. So Snape could be unconscious for all of that time. Those are the two, like, kind of milestones that we see of, like, time passing. Two minutes and over an hour. And I was like, that seems very uneven. And somewhere in there, Lupin comes out before Snape. That's right. That's another one, another moment of people, like, passing through this area that I didn't mention before. Which is why it's it's a good thing that Hermione didn't let Harry get his cloak. (laughs) It just shows how much, like, chaos it is and how much stuff is happening amid all of this that is unpredictable in the whole time travel situation. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So while they're waiting, Hermione, like, I think I passed out, but the Dementors didn't get serious. And this is where she and Harry have the conversation. And Harry says, you know, well, there was a Patronus. And then she has the discussion with him who conjured it. And he's just like thinking about how it could have been his dad. And she's like, your dad's dead, Harry. And this whole scene, I think, is just sad. What? It's sad. the word. Sad. I mean, it is sad. I, I wrote this as some kind of saddest thing in chapter. That's fine. I had to laugh at this when I was rereading it. Harry, your dad's, well, dead. No shit! It's been quite a long time. Yeah. We've, we've, he's like, he's we've like, discussed this, this a lot over the last three years. Well, I think that it's sad because he knows what he sounds like. He's not an idiot. Right. So that's the thing that makes the most sense to him. And also he knows it doesn't make sense. And I just find that and that's, He says, maybe I imagined it. I wasn't thinking straight. Yeah. I passed out right afterwards. And then she's like, well, what was it? Oh, I think it was my dad. But your dad's dead. Yeah, I know. I said I was out of it. <laughs> right? But I do have to give him credit, too, because, like, the other marauder that they thought was dead is now suddenly alive. I think that's probably something that is very, like, at the forefront of his mind. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's so, a really fair thing to think about. Yeah. And, I mean, we constantly see other things where, like, there is a person who is not who they say that, that they are. Quirrell, for example. Another Defense Against the Dark Arts professor that we're going to see very soon. Like, maybe in the next season of Basic mm-hmm. Snitches, tune in in the next few weeks. Riddle in Chamber of Secrets. Yeah. And he that bitch was a book. Mm-hmm. Right. Surprise, this book is a human. <laughs> they go back to Hagrid's hut. Right, Hermione is not there party for that. Party in yes. Hagrid's hut. Yeah, what, no. A big party. <laughs> yeah. It's just Hermione and Buckbeak. They're yeah. doing shots of brown liquor. That sounds like my kind of party. Two people. <laughs> just you and a pet. Yes. <laughs> that does sound like my... That sounds my, like Adam's house. <laughs> it, yes. And my house. <laughs> Just me and a pet, or three. <laughs> yeah, that's this house. It's me, Natalie, and pets. Three pets. That's right. I said three. Stay tuned. I'll talk about it at the beginning of the next episode. Anyways, this little detour to Hagrid's hut is surprising to me, because I completely forgot that, oh yeah, they take Buckbeak back there. That's how they stay safe from Lupin. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting to me, because I don't necessarily know if Hagrid, no offense Hagrid, is bright enough to see anything, but what if they leave any sort of evidence there? Or what if Hagrid comes back? Right. Like, that's, I that's, think, bigger. I don't know how long he's going to be at the castle. I'm not concerned at all about it because Harry is off saving the day with his Patronus. Hermione would be like, oh, oh, fuck, here comes Hagrid. Come on, Buckbeak. And she would figure it out Hermione. Also, we know Hagrid's drunk by this point. And he's got to be very careful going down that hill because it's very steep. A man his size tripping after being drunk down that hill ain't going to look good. So he's got to be very dainty. I guarantee what's happened to him before. Oh, yes, me too. He probably has a certain section of the hill that he goes to and will just lie down and roll down the hill. That sounds awesome. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I think that you're right. That Hermione would probably like have the foresight to like keep a lookout. And then when he goes to the lake and they have the Patronus moment, what hits me the most here is where he sees what the Patronus is and he realizes that it's prongs. And what that means, mm-hmm. and yeah. it is breathtaking. Yes, mm-hmm. that is like so many feels. When I read that, I was like, okay, this might be my favorite part of the entire book because it really is so beautiful. The moment of Harry realizing what the Patronus is, realizing that it's Stag, knowing that that is what his dad was as a Patronus, is just such a wonderful thing. It's as if his dad is the Stag. So it's Daddy Stag. <laughs> How about that, though? <laughs> So something from before where he was like, what if all four marauders were there on the grounds the same night? Mm-hmm. Like, that leads into it's it. Like they were. It's Daddy yeah. Daddy Stag was there the whole time. Yes, in his heart. That's part of the next chapter, but we'll get to right. that. Right. <laughs> Here's the thing, is that Harry's Patronus is what his dad turned into as, as an Animagus. We never learn what James' Patronus was. It yeah. could have been a stag. Yeah, mm-hmm. It exactly. could have been something completely different. James's Patronus was probably a cat, because... Cats love lilies. Oh, that's cute. Even though they shouldn't because... They're poisonous. Lilies kill them. Yeah, well, cats are... Lilies will lead to their death. And look what happened. Right! Crookshanks is still here. (laughs) Crookshanks is like, I ain't got time for lilies. I also am wondering here, you know, he said that he knew that he could do it from from seeing it from the other side of the lake. But what memory did he use? He's thinking about how he's going to go live with Sirius. But that's not a memory. I mean, it could just be the memory of having that discussion with Sirius, knowing that that's what's going to be happening. That's true. That's more so I think it could be that. But I'm pretty sure I remember him saying how happy he felt in that moment of thinking that he wasn't going to have to go back to the Dursleys. Yeah. 
than thinking that he was I actually think that that's doormat. What it is. Having a moment of thinking, I found family. At the end of the last chapter, one of my big issues was that when he was trying to cast that Patronus, he kept saying, he's innocent, he's innocent. And that me being the memory, because that, of course, is not necessarily a memory. That's just kind of like what Sirius used when he was in Azkaban as a way to cope. This moment is just so beautiful with him realizing what slash who Prongs is and why that's his name. And then Hermione comes out and is like, what the fuck did you fuck up? Right? Harry's like, um, I saved everyone's life. Fucking calm right. down. Back, get off my back, bitch. And then they get on the back of another bitch, and then they go and fly up to the castle. Yeah, I love how Sirius is like, uh, what? <laughs> like, Sirius is so confused. Yeah. However, Sirius is also like, what happened to Ron? Good I thought that was really true. Aw, he was worried. Just the end of the chapter, like, this whole chapter, there's this constant like push and like momentum and like tension going all the way through it like oh my gosh what the fuck is gonna happen next while he doesn't get a lot of closure here with Sirius seeing him like fly away on Buckbeak is like an exhale to me yeah they fucking did it at the beginning of the chapter they say something like if we could pull this off it would be a miracle and they actually do it do it without fucking anything up Mm -hmm. Sirius wants to ask questions and Harry and Hermione are both like you have to get out of here I think about how hard that has to be for Harry I don't get to have this time right now you have to go Mm -hmm. but also the fact that they have just a few more minutes to get back Um, it's a beautiful chapter it is all right, y'all ready to talk about the movie? Let's oh, do it. No! Oh, Mary Kill! <laughs> we are going to fuck Mary and Kill. Okay, this is, might be one of the hardest ones of the entire book. Oh, God. There are a lot of heroes in this chapter, and I think Harry and Hermione are the two biggest, obviously. They're the ones who do everything. But we still have some pretty fucking big heroes in this chapter that kind of push everything along. And those three are Dumbledore, Pomfrey, and Hagrid. Fuck Mary Kill. No. Mm. Yeah, it's a hard one. Guess first. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna right off the bat kill Pomfrey. Um, sorry. When Pomfrey, she's a part of your house. Bye, bye, Poppy. She's such a fucking buzzkill. She's feeding them chocolate. I know, but these kids clearly have something very important to tell Dumbledore, especially after like you know that they just went through some shit. But no, you're not going to let them talk. Like, you want them to rest just because, you know, chocolate's not enough, apparently. Which is false. Chocolate is always enough. So... Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. You are (laughs) keeping them from telling what is obviously very important information to the headmaster. So, you're dead. Sorry. I talk about Quentin Pomfrey a lot, but I feel like she, for all of those reasons, is also my pick. Mm-hmm. I feel like Tara's going to disagree, but maybe not. She's given that look. Are we doing them all together? Go ahead. You you finish your your. Okay. Uh, I am going to say fuck Hagrid mainly because I don't want to. That might be a part of it. You know, it's all all the hair and the beard. Yeah, you want to go through his wicker basket Mm. because you know it's a wicker basket. But it's. I'm more thinking about what it would be like to marry Hagrid because he's kind of an alcoholic. Also, we all know how much his cooking sucks, like the rock cakes and shit, and I don't want to be married to that. There. Um, alcoholic who can't cook. So, you know, I kind of just... That's I'm looking at you, Tara. I'm just kidding. Tara knows how to cook. <laughs> Tara knows how to cook. I, I don't like cook. cooking, though, so it's fine. That's right. She don't like baking either, if you recall. So, you know, I'd kind of rather just get in, get my rock cakes off, and leave so cute <laughs> oh my god very well done what what do you say what you. say you tara so that means you marry and dumbledore so I, I would marry dumbledore i feel like he has money and he dies pretty soon so. <laughs> god i can't wait for ashley's answer so me yes. yeah okay so i don't like Andrew fuck mary kill to this one don't like it everything that comes out of my mouth sometimes i'm forced to make a response there's gonna be some difficult ones okay who you gonna kill Hold on. Ghostbusters. So. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. Brian nodded. I see what you did there. I, I also see that. It's very nice. <laughs> I'm going to also kill Madame Pomfrey for the reasons Brian stated. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, she's like the most perfect one out of the three to either fuck or marry. But in this circumstance, she's getting the 86. I think I'm
I'm just saying. Yeah, Hagrid, I don't care that he's an alcoholic who can't cook, but I'm gonna be really good at magic and I can do magic because I wasn't arrested for no fucking reason and had my wand snapped in half. So I can just make basic food and enhance it with my magical abilities. That's and Hagrid fair. and I will live happily ever after. I feel like Dumbledore would, has been around a lot enough to know what he's doing, so. Right? I think Dumbledore would probably be a good time. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right, well, I'm trying at least once. Dumbledore could probably choke you with that beard. Could completely tie you up with wrap, that thing. Wrap, right? Just wrap, wrap it around. Whole body. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> I'm going to kill Pom Free too, so sorry, Pom Pom, you're dead. I can be the tiebreaker now. Mm. He's going to be the most fucked mm -hmm. and the most married. I can see both of your points. But this entire season, I've been playing Fuck, Marry, Kill one way, and we're going to continue to play it my way, and that is I marry the one who seems the most stable. Hagrid don't seem very stable at all. Mm -mm. He's very emotional. He lives in this this hut, this little shack. He knows how to plant pumpkins, I guess. I don't know. I don't feel like he would be the best actual like husband partner in life. So I'm going to also marry Dumbledore. Hey. So, don't look so offended here. <laughs> it's okay. I'll marry Hagrid. I'm going, I'm to, going to have it. sex with your husband. Oh, okay. That's fine. <laughs> and we'll both have sex with your husband. <laughs> and that's what Hogwarts is about. So this movie that we watched... Uh, <laughs> you oh. sighed like it wasn't good. It was no, good. No, it's really no, good. No, I love it's, this scene. It's overwhelming. So the first thing I wrote down, and I was mistaken, and maybe this is more of a thing in the book, but it constantly talks about in the book how it's very dark in the um, hospital wing. Mm. And part of it is also the movie putting all these windows in the hospital wing on a night where it's the full moon. I literally thought while reading the book that in the movie it was the daytime during the moment where they actually use the time turner at the beginning. It of the does chapter. look like it's daytime. It's it very, very yeah. bright. So that's something that I wrote down, but I stand corrected. <laughs> but after that, they have the moment where they do the little twisty of the time turner. First of all, I want to comment on while Fudgepacker and fucking Snape are oh, yeah, stupid. They're not, there. they're not there. And Hermione isn't even like in a bed. She's just hanging nope, out by Hermione's, Harry. Hermione's she's up like, and she's like, I'm fucking fine. By the way, Harry, this is what's that's going on. That's because she wasn't there. She wasn't knocked out. So she doesn't need to be in a bed. That's true. That's that a good point. That is true. Yeah. Where was Hermione during the last scene? She's of the movie? with Ron in the movie. Oh, okay. That's why Ron's conscious in the movie. Right. Because Piper doesn't attack him in the movie, he just leaves. Yeah. And Although so he Hermione does have a broken leg, though. Yeah, he is still hurt. Which his leg doesn't break in the same fashion that it does in the book. Okay. No, but I think Literally it's they from make it look serious, like serious biting him and dragging him. Rips his leg apart. Yeah. yeah. If there's a lot of liberty taken. I think that overall, for a movie, they do a nice job with it. Mm -hmm. But if you want to get really nitpicky with it, they change a lot of stuff to make it look good on screen. Yeah. Dumble says the whole thing about, like, three turns should be fine. She gets the time turner out. Uh, she has a huge chain on it. It's more than enough room for both of them. And Harry's like, what the fuck is this? And he goes to touch it. Oh, and she slaps him. Yeah, I'm like, that's oh, yeah. Cute. We all reacted <laughs> to that. But also, Harry, is that your first instinct whenever you see something that you don't know? <laughs> right, ooh, shiny. Oh, look at this creature. It's, <laughs> and it's butt beak and it bites his hand off. I'm going to touch it. Yeah. I love it. I think um, it's hilarious. And so then Hermione, like, is all about business. She's like, it's 7.30. Where are we at 7.30? Let's go run. There's this beautiful sweeping camera shot through the clock tower and everything. Mm -hmm. And you see them running through the courtyard. And they run, well, they run down. It is like five seconds and then they're through that the courtyard. a great transition yeah kind of even going back before that the shot of the oh, time, yes, the yes, time yes. travel oh my uh -huh. god so cool. them just standing there while you see everything happening uh -huh. around the light them shift. there's some mm -hmm. mummy bitch i want to know about that mummy bitch right there's like someone's being unraveled or wrapped up like, you know whatever madame pomfrey's job i've is, never really taken the time enough. to like slow down that scene and see just i kind of want to that would be fun that would be great there's a bunch of cool stuff that happens like in that moment i think rupert grint is amazing i don't personally like him being awake for that i think dumbledore is so dramatic in that scene where he's telling them it's weird to me i think it's too much i think it fits the movie but i don't love it hmm 
Brian said that he I really do love does it. like it. Mainly <laughs> just because that moment of Ron trying to explain what happened right. to Dumbledore. And he's so good. And like just stumbling his words and then Dumbledore just cuts him off and he's goes like, back uh-huh. to talking to Hagrid yeah. so and Hermione. Yeah. Also I feel like this version of dramatic Dumbledore because again, we're going to see another dramatic Dumbledore in a few chapters in the next book that I don't like. But <laughs> in this moment, I feel like it fits his personality of being like kooky Dumbledore. But also, it's the direction. This movie I love is so different. The direction that Alfonso took. There's that whole shot. Um, they zip line down the fucking stairs. They really do. And then they have that brief thing with Malfoy where she kind of explains it. This is another moment where Hermione takes control. In the book, I feel like they're both kind of even, and Hermione is definitely reeling back Harry. Mm. But in the movie, I feel like Hermione is like, I'm in charge, bitch. She's 100% in charge. This is how it is. Don't cross me. I'm a punch you like a punch Malfoy. For real. She's super aggressive and like in a good way. She knows they're on time crunch. She knows that Harry doesn't fully understand what's happening. Mm -hmm. Whereas again, she's been doing this for a whole year. She knows how it works. I think in the book, Harry's the one who's like, oh wait, he said we could save two lives. In the movie, it's Hermione. Hermione. Where she's like, Mm. why did Dumbledore bring us here? I hate when they do that in the movies where they literally like, they They just give lines to different characters. That happens to Ron a lot. Ron loses a lot of good lines. lines being said give it to the right person right if it's one of the trio do it right like in some of the other instances it's characters that aren't currently around yeah the one that really comes to mind is bins versus mcgonagall when we talk about the chamber of secrets okay Mm -hmm. because give me more maggie smith and bins is not in the movies but like here they're both there they're the people in the scene so then when they get down to the hut this is where there is some accuracy about uh hermione saying wizards have gone mad if they meddled with time. Yeah, mm-hmm. they do a nice job with that. They do have the first addition in the movie that I think enhances the viewer's perspective of what is the present and what is the past. I think it's important to do that. Yes. I think the movie has to do that. And that's Jones getting thrown through the window. Right. There's also the moment here where Dumbledore is kind of like deflecting a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that kind of goes back to what you said about how much does Dumbledore know. Right. And then that gives them the time to lure Buckbeak into the woods. Now, two other things that I mentioned here is those crows are assholes. <laughs> Asshole crows. And, like, there's even, like, a cut to, like, focus on the crow. Why was that necessary? Hermione also using the ferrets to get him into yeah. the woods. Which mm-hmm. is Buckbeak's like, hell yes, ferrets. Yes. And then later, shortly after this, the bat scene, too. Buckbeak's like, ooh, bats. Yeah. Buckbeak is having a good day. Other than having another little cute Buckbeak moment. Why? Why did they need this bat moment? Well, they did. Arts. Here's the thing. I think Buckbeak is exactly instead of taking away from like, hey, here's who the Marauders are. Listen, I will say though, Buckbeak is one of the coolest CGI things in the entire oh, film yeah. series. Mm-hmm. I think they do such a good job with Buckbeak. Oh my god, um, that just made me think of another fucking Mary kill. Dobby, Buckbeak, and oh Jesus. We're talking about the CGI work? I mean, I was going to say Aragog, but we all kill an Aragog. And we're not going to do that right now. No. Email us and add somebody in and tell us what your fuck Mary kills are. I'm talking to you, Ashley. Anyways. So yes, they have this moment where then they are waiting out. This is where the conversation has that Tara says is very sad about the the father. The father. The father. Prongs? James? Daddy? The father. That makes me think of like Home Alone 2. When they're talking about James... They don't have that crossing of all these different characters, which I like because that is a cool way to like establish time. Mm-hmm. I'm not mad at like the stone being thrown or the howl, which is another thing mm-hmm. yeah. that I feel like it would have been kind of cool to see that crisscross, even if it was like sped up or something. Alas, that's not there. Finally, they watch everyone come out. Harry, I think, has another moment where he's like, mm, I'd love to just run up there and do a thing. And she's like, no, you fucking can't. Trying to break the I feel like that continuum. probably happens because Harry. <laughs> they don't go to the hut. Instead, because of the right. howl, right. Lupin comes towards them. and then Oh, yeah, there's Buckbeak. that whole added scene. Yeah. Buckbeak yes. is like, hey, bitches, thanks for saving me. I'm going to save you from this That's werewolf. right. Mm-hmm. And gives Lupin a concussion. Right. I do love that they add that in. And I love that Harry's like, this is not a good night. I, I appreciate that they still see Lupin, mm-hmm. even though he's literally could kill them right now. Even though he's yeah. a CGI. Maybe he's the third one. But CGI I don't love Lupin. the CGI of the of I, I don't love the CGI werewolf. Especially when Buckbeak looks so good. 
even Norbert looks amazing in the first movie mm-hmm. versus that. Norbert's another one. Oh my god, there's so many fuck Mary Kill options. I will say, I actually, I do kind of like Hermione being with Harry in that moment, getting to see what the truth was that it was Daddy Stag all along. Mm-hmm. Also, I just love how dramatic Emma Watson is when she says, No one's coming, Harry. He's dying. You both are. It's it's so dramatic. And Harry's like, okay, you did your piece. I know, bitch. I was there dying. Thank you. Saves the day. Well, they go and get Sirius in the tower rather than Fit. Yeah, Sirius is in the tower. And this is a huge difference, too. Like, not in Flitwick's office, which sounds like a much better place for him to be. Like, I feel like he's being treated like a human when he's in Flitwick's office. Right. They're like, we're going to lock him in this tall ass scary tower. Also, it's kind of a little bit more secure in Flitwick's office because there's no, like, balcony. Right. Mm-hmm. And you can't have teenagers who come in and bust open doors. Destroy the door. Because in the book, she does just Alohomora the door. Yeah. Well, and it's a window. They're like, they're outside the window. A window. Yeah. 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 And that's like, obviously, they wouldn't be able to get to the window without Buckbeak. It would be foolproof if Buckbeak weren't around. Yeah. But then there's that whole added scene in the courtyard, which I actually love that scene. I love it. It's beautiful. Yeah, Harry talking to Sirius and actually getting to say goodbye to him. Mm -hmm. I mentioned this when we watched it too, but there's a lot of kind of like wrap-up sequences, I feel like, that happen in the courtyard kind of corridors. Mm -hmm. And it's a beautiful place for it. It's a lot of things that Dumbledore says in the next chapter. It is a lot better to get some kind of closure. That's one of the most exciting things that came out of the unraveling of the truth in Mm. this book, too. Agreed. And that's how this ends in the movie. Yes. Mm -hmm. Who wants to listen to points? No. I just asked a question. Oops, I'm sorry. I want to. Okay. I want to listen to points. Thank you, Brian. I get all the points. Thank you, Tara. Actually, you don't get any points. Add points for Brian. No points for Hufflepuff. I did not give any points to Stephen Ostertag when he was a guest. I did give points. Did Stephen ask for points? No, but just... No! (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm not Dumbledore. I'm not like, if you need help, just ask. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I only gave Natalie points because it was a mechanism to make Slytherin win the house cup. Okay, and then I took them oh. away afterwards. Am I the first puff on the podcast? Yes! We wait till the very end. That's <laughs> great. We have now had all four houses on the podcast because we got Gryffindor, Tara, Hufflepuff, Brian, Ravenclaw, Stephen, and Slytherin, Adam. Although technically we've had two Slytherins on the podcast. But Natalie also doesn't count because she was a muggle before all this. So thank you for being our Hufflepuff. You're welcome. You are the Huggle, the, the Huggle. You are the Huggle Hufflepuff. Helga Hufflepuff of the Basic Snitches. Have you seen my cup? It's a nice cup. It's a nice cup. cup. (laughs) Listeners, for all of you listening at home and not here in person, our live show in Natalie's living room, (laughs) what he did was he lifted up his wine glass and it was perfect. Also, his wine glass says blood of my enemies on it. That's what I'm drinking. But to be fair, both of us also have cups and I don't have a locket. I mean, Tara has a sword. And she's keeping it behaved today, thank God. You know what I'm talking about. Anyways, wow. Okay, I'm giving 30 points to Dumble because I think that his recommendation at the beginning of the chapter is what pushes all of this into motion. Mm-hmm. I'm giving 10 to Hagrid and Pomfrey. First of all, Pomfrey is there. And even though we all killed her, I still got to recognize Quen Pomfrey is in the house. She's great, though. I she is. Quinn Pomfrey? Quen. Quen? A Quen is a thing that is good. <laughs> That's the worst definition of Quinn ever. Yo, I call, I like I I call lots of characters Quins. Okay. They're queens, but Quinn. She's okay. a Quinn, Gwen Pomfrey, and then Hagrid gets 10 because Buckbeak got saved, and he's like living his best life, and then he goes gets fucking wasted, and then he walks up that hill without tripping. So I'm giving 15 to Sirius and Buckbeak because both of them didn't die, and I feel like that is to be celebrated. I'm giving 50 to Harry for that great Patronus moment at the end, but also helping Hermione, because even though he did have that great Patronus moment, Hermione is... For me, and we will, of course, see who wins this chapter in the next episode, but for me, Hermione wins this chapter. I've talked in the past about how in book one, at this moment, the trio are solving things, and Harry ultimately is the one who defeats Quirrell de Mort. In book two, it's Ron is kind of like with Harry during the action moment at the end. And this is Hermione's book. Hermione's leadership and intelligence and badassness comes to a head, and I love it. I love Hermione. She's the best. How many points did you give her? 75. Thank you. 
actually stand Oh, I did? Yeah, no, you did not. Oh, shit. You said 50 points to Harry, and then you started talking about Hermione. Hermione's like, Hermione's fucking great, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, 75 points. And then I'm taking negative 10 from Fudge. Because while I do kind of think he sees through some of Snape's bullshit and stuff, but I'm giving negative 10 from him because I think that he, he's a Fudge Packer. I don't like him. Wait, There's nothing that. wrong with being a Fudge Packer, but... You said that you're taking negative 10 away from him. Wouldn't that mean that you're giving him points? Whatever. I am getting grammatical on Negative you, 10 I'm not points to the Fudge Packer. There you go. Butthole. <laughs> and then uh, negative 20 for, from Snape, to... because Snape is rude and unprofessional, mm-hmm. and he needs to get knocked down the stairs. And that's everything. So to recap, that's plus 75 Hermione, plus 50 Harry, plus 30 Dumble, plus 15 Sirius and Buckby, plus 10 Haggard and Pomfrey, negative 10 Fudge, negative 20 Snape. Yay! In the next episode, we will be covering chapter 22, the last chapter of Prisoner of Azkaban, I'll post post again. Again. Exciting thing to share with everyone. It will have aired by now, but I will be guest starring on another podcast. Oh, yeah. Yes, I will be guest starring on the podcast, Podcast in Death, uh, which is a reread of the J.D. Robb in Death series. J.D. Robb is Nora Roberts' pseudonym, so if you are a Nora Roberts fan, she writes great romance novels. She has a series set in the future about a police lieutenant in New York City. It's fucking badass. It's got badass women in it, and it's not a romance series, so that's why I love it. The lovely ladies running that podcast have invited me to be on, and that episode will have been posted on July 31st, so... That'll come out before this. So if you haven't listened to me yet on it, listen to me. Thanks. Fun fact, my grandma's name is Nora Roberts. That's right. Your grandma's name is Nora Roberts. Mm -hmm. I knew that. Mm -hmm. And she shares a birthday with me. Our birthday was this past Thursday. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Brian's birthday was was a couple days ago. Happy birthday. Thanks. I bought him dinner tonight. You did, and I loved it. I bought you a cookie. You yes, did. And I, I have not enjoyed it yet, but I shall soon. We, we shall have cookies. We shall have um, cookies. So, yeah, happy birthday to me and happy birthday to Nora Roberts. Thank you, Brian, for being Thank on our Thank you episode. for being on Thank you guys episode. for having me and for giving me your wine. You're, You're welcome. welcome. Dad, it was so I like sharing. We're not done with it yet. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> Tune in yep. next time. We are doing the last chapter of this book and then our wrap up and then we're probably taking a break or something. Or are we? There might be a special episode. <laughs> if there's not one, don't add us because we'll see. Have a good one, snitches. Bye. Bye. Sayonara. I love wine. Basic Snitches is produced and recorded by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery. Edited by Adam Bowers. And published by Tara Corkery via Podbean. And now available for download wherever you listen to podcasts. A special thanks to all of you for taking the time to download and listen to us. We hope you enjoyed us. If you enjoyed us, please be sure to rate us five stars on your listening app of choice. And if you didn't enjoy us, then we're sorry you're so angry. Please also connect with us. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Basic Snitches or email us at basicsnitches at gmail.com. We're excited to get more feedback from our listeners and to hear what you have to say about the questions and discussions we have on the podcast. Catch Catch you later, snitches!